are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week, Monday through Friday. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, alongside our Monday co-host, Jay Stevens, who is also the host of Locked On Buckeyes over on the Locked On Podcast Network. Jay, thanks for joining us here, as always, on a Monday to help us recap the weekend in Big Ten football. It was an always exciting weekend of football around the Big Ten. Maybe not the upsets that you may have thought we would get after what's been seemingly an upset every single weekend, but I guess we get a little bit of a break here, but plenty of exciting football still to talk about. As we start with your Buckeyes, Jay, maybe the most impressive performance of the weekend. Now, Purdue had had a whole lot of hype after a couple of big wins. Ohio State not only had not played as well as it had, which was a really high bar to keep up with early on once that offense had gotten going, going into this matchup. But at the same time, people just wanted to find a reason to try and bet against Ohio State after what it has been for the last five years. It was same old, same old in this matchup. I kind of expected this to be the case, Purdue to kind of not be able to keep up with Ohio State, even if it did show up again. And to Purdue's credit, it scored 31 points in this game, but this game was over far before Purdue got to that point total. Ohio State put it on early and often. They did. They did. They had 28 unanswered points, uh, portion of the first quarter and second quarter, kind of widened that margin. Purdue had a tough task. As soon as you hear Garrett Wilson will be back in the starting lineup, will be on the field, you knew it was kind of it was going to be hard for Purdue to match Ohio State point for point. The Ohio State pass defense gave up numerous yards, gave up, um, I think David Bell had his like 16th 100 yard receiving game. So they gave up yards through the air, but they were a lot of things were underneath, a lot of things were in a soft zone where when you have a big lead, you're going to play that style of defense to keep things underneath. So you don't get you don't give up a lot of points that way. And that's what happened. Ohio State's offense, though, in this game, in every area, from the offensive line up front, the receivers, the running backs, Stroud. I mean, it was a well-oiled machine. And this is the offense people thought we would see all season long. Had a couple dull moments in the past couple of weeks. No dull moments during this weekend's game against Purdue I mean we discussed like what Purdue has to do to beat an Ohio State team what anyone has to do to beat this Ohio State team and the difference is that that Ohio State team has the offense that's going to be able to beat anybody even if a team has a good day it will be able to win a shootout with you if you want to play it that way we talked about going into this game whether or not Purdue was going to be able to put up the points to keep up with Ohio State and I said, well, like maybe if Purdue can put up 25-30 and this defense at the Boilermakers continues to play well, maybe they got a shot. I was Offense did its job, Jay. It just still was not even close. And it just is an emphasis, I think, of that difficulty, how hard it is and how much easier it is for us to talk about being able to put it together on both sides of the football to a degree that you're going to be able to compete with Ohio State in this conference. But at the same time, just getting lucky enough that both of those things come together on that day. And also you just get the breaks that you need to win. It doesn't seem like anyone in this conference has the, the pure players to match up. I think we knew that, I guess. But it seemed pretty obvious after on Saturday when Purdue did what we wanted it to do on offense that Ohio State still never really had to sweat. 
No, they did it. It didn't help that Purdue had two fumbles. They brought in, I think it's Jake Plummer. I keep wanting to say, no, Jack Plummer. I keep, I keep getting the two-name stuff. I looked up to see if the plumber on Purdue is the pl- plumber that came in the NFL in the 90s. That was his son, not his son. Um, so forgive me for getting the names mixed up. But Purdue brought yeah. in the backup quarterback. And I did it too. It's Jack Plummer is the Purdue guy. Jake is the uh, old quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. They brought in they brought in Plummer, the backup quarterback, and he fumbled on that play. Normally they bring him in for different types of variations of the offense. He fumbled. Ohio State scored. Purdue fumbled on a kick return. Ohio, Ohio State recovered that. Ohio State scored. One thing also Ohio State has done, they have a speed on the field that is different than any other team in the Big Ten has. They have Southern speed on a Big Ten Midwestern football team. And so not just Ryan Day, but Urban Meyer started this where he has evolved and brought the speed to the Midwest that most Midwestern teams don't have. And so if you're trying to get into a point-for-point type of thing, Ryan Day's offense, you can't do that. If you're trying to keep up with the speed, most teams in the Big Ten can't do that either. And so it's a whole lot of very variables that go into the, what we saw over the weekend. Purdue's not a bad football team. Anybody listening to this saying, Jay, Ohio State blew out Purdue, Purdue's bad. No, Purdue's not bad. Just Ohio State is that much better than the Boilermakers. Yeah, I mean, it showed out there 59 points for Ohio State. Offense continues to click in ways that it seems like every single week it's like, oh, they're putting up that kind of – it seems like there has to be that sort of letdown. But, again, Ohio State on track as always with everything going on. We'll see how it goes on the college football playoff rankings. But, of course, Buckeyes expected to still be firmly in that top four come tomorrow. Moving on to the other side of the Big Ten, Jay, Minnesota uh, played at Iowa. Iowa hosted Minnesota. Number 20, Hawkeyes picked up a win, 27-22. to This was a grinded-out Big Ten football game. It did hit the over that I said it would have 37 points, which I thought was just really low. But this team, these two teams easily could have gone under that if these this game just goes a little bit different with a couple of plays. There were some big plays in this game, which is a little bit atypical from when these two teams come together and play, but there were some big breakout plays that added to some scores, but Minnesota again, just comes up a little bit close. It was close all the way down to the wire, but when it came down to it, it was Kirk Ferentz and that Iowa team that knew how to get it done in the fourth quarter, took a lead late, squeezed Minnesota out with that clock really. And at the end of the day, PJ Fleck gets another loss against this Iowa team. And when you stack up his record against Iowa and Wisconsin, the two teams that he has to beat, Minnesota fans like to brag about how P.J. Fleck can beat Jeff Brom. P.J. Fleck can beat Scott Frost. It's not the same as beating Iowa and and Wisconsin. And I I understand that Minnesota's had really good seasons. This is another successful season for the Gophers. P.J. Fleck is 100% still having that team and that fan base bought in right now. I guarantee you that. Everyone still loves him. He just signed a seven-year extension. I, I don't have to say this. The numbers say it. But at some point, you got to beat those people because a good first month of football is nice. But that last month of football is what really, really, really matters. And P.J. Fleck has not won a lot of games in that last month of football. He won a big bowl game against Auburn. He had that team in the top 10 in the final AP poll. Those are all really, really good things. They don't matter as much as beating Wisconsin and Iowa consistently, I don't think. And he hasn't been able to do it. I don't expect them to be able to beat Wisconsin with the way the Badgers are playing right now. If those two teams were to meet right now and play the games that they've been playing as of late, 
but I, I'm just, I don't know what to do with PJ Fleck in this Minnesota team because I know it's a good team. I know I believe in him as a coach still, but it seems like he just always comes up a step short. And to his credit, last three or four games that I've watched between these two teams, um, and maybe four is a little bit too much, but anyway, either team could have won the game. But PJ Fleck doesn't win them. Same thing goes with Wisconsin. That game last year they had extremely close. PJ Fleck has not won these games consistently. He's consistently lost them. It's something that I think just needs to be addressed at some point, not yet. But it, obviously, every time it happens, the conversation is going to be had. And those Minnesota fans don't like how loud those Iowa fans get every single time it goes down this way. I mean, we haven't even talked about actually what happened in the game yet, Jay. I haven't let you talk about it at all, actually. But it was just something where it's going to have to give at some point. It's not yet. It's not now. But I'm wondering, like, at what point does it start to give for P.J. Fleck? You, you can say whatever you like about the game itself, the stats, what happened. Now, let's just piggyback off of what the conversation you're currently having right now. You're going to have a coach who went from Western Michigan to went to Minnesota, Minnesota, not a football program that is known for consistently winning. And he's trying to build a culture, which he's currently building and cultivating. But there's levels to this. Beating Scott Frost is one thing. But it's a completely different thing to beat a Kirk Ferentz, to beat a, to beat a Wisconsin, well, Iowa and then Wisconsin, those teams have established cultures, established brands. You know what you're going to get. P.J. Fleck is trying to get guys in that are going to help him build something for the future. This is like year four. So you're going to go up against the two, or the two teams that are the top of your side of the Big Ten. It's going to be hard to get over them because the players know a lot of these guys from middle school, they want to go to Iowa. From middle school, they want to go to Wisconsin. Ain't nobody in Minnesota, not many, are trying to, if they're that good of a player, four-star, maybe maybe a four-star player, a lot of them don't want to go to Minnesota. So you're trying to shift the mindset of the kids, the youngsters, high school, middle school. You're trying to shift the mindset of the recruits that are there because some may the players that are there because some may want to leave. There's so many things that he's doing. This isn't a bad – losing, I'm not going to say it's not a bad thing. Losing is not fun. Losing is not good because you want to win every game. However – these are the moments that he can learn. Teachable moments for, for players, teachable moments for coaches. You're at some point, he's at some point going to find a way to get over these humps. Will it be consistently? Probably not. Probably not until Paul Chris is gone. Probably not until Kirk Ferentz is gone. Will it happen consistently? But these are teachable moments. A close loss like this, you can go back into, go back into the film room, go back into your study, and figure some things out to hopefully not allow this to happen again if you have a close game like this against Iowa. A five-point loss is not the end of the world. Minnesota will learn from this and move forward with it. It's not the end of the world, but these are teachable moments that every coach has throughout their coaching career. Well, that Minnesota program, it has the history. It has the culture. It doesn't have the same kind of winning history as, mm -hmm. say, in Iowa or Wisconsin. But I do think that that's something that the, the fan base strives for. It, it feels like it has that same kind of tradition and ability to stack up with the Wisconsin and Iowa in the college football world. I think that's something PJ Fleck was attracted to mm -hmm. when he took the job. 
something with the passion of that base and something that he knew he was going to be able to take a grasp of. And he's done a very good job of that. He's had very good recruiting classes to his credit and to uh, the things that maybe you allude to. I don't know if you were meaning to or not about Paul Christ and Kirk Ferentz too. Again, that's established stuff. That's stuff that's been going on. There are people who, who grow up in Minnesota and say, I want to be a Minnesota gopher. There are, there is mm -hmm. that kind of an established fan base in that state in the same way it is across the Big Ten West, really. I mean, Big Ten has a plenty of those schools. Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska is right there, too. Obviously, not always in the Big Ten, but, but that's always all there in that part of the country. This football's rich here, but Minnesota has never had, as you pointed out, the, the same winning ability, at least especially not recently, with kids who are being recruited right now. Nobody right now remembers Minnesota at any point when it was any good. Not, not, nobody does. So it's something PJ Fleck, right? You're right, is trying to build in that others already have. So if you're trying to beat Iowa and Wisconsin every year the way they're beating you right now, that's probably going to take a while. But at some point, PJ Fleck has to beat him because he's been able to beat everybody else pretty much, right? It's gotten the tests passed when he's needed to do it, aside from like, you know, Ohio State's a team that nobody can beat. But except for Ohio or Iowa and Wisconsin, PJ Fleck just they haven't he hasn't been able to do it with them, and I just don't know why it hasn't happened against the teams that matter most. But if it keeps happening again at some point, those Minnesota fans who have that history and have that again long rivalry rooted in the program culture, they're not going to be happy when it gets to what it is now seven straight times that Frank's gone back to Iowa. So. It's just something to, uh, I think, again, it's not, it's, it's nothing really even to worry about right now. Minnesota still loves PJ Fleck. That's not anything that anyone's questioning after mm -hmm. this game. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of any of that, but it's just the point of one, these are your biggest rivals, but we haven't even touched on all that much. That is something you mentioned. These are the two top teams in the big 10 West for the past 20 years. So if you're going to get into Indy and into where you want to be, as far as the established staying here forever head coach you got to be able to beat those teams and pj fleck just hasn't done them. we'll be back in just a minute to talk about the rest of the games around the big 10 here this weekend it was all sorts of messy in some spots we'll get to all of it here jay's coming back here to finish things up on locked on at big 10 as we wrap the week in week uh, 11 that was yes it was week 11 Today's Locked On Big Ten is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bar is your place to go for all of your protein product needs from the protein bars that are, of course, outstanding, 100% chocolate, less than 5 net grams of carbs and sugars, and less than 150 calories in almost all their bars. They also bring you that flavor that you just cannot resist and keep coming back for. Uh, I'm a personal example as well. My family has fallen in love with the Built Bars. Head on over to Built.com right now and use our promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that's Built.com with promo code LOCKED15. Built Bar, the place to go for all of your protein supplements. Back in on Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every day of the week. Alongside our Monday co-host, Jay Stevens of Locked On Buckeyes, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're talking about all the games from around the weekend in the Big Ten Conference. We talked about two biggest ones. Ohio State played Purdue in the only ranked matchup of the weekend. And Minnesota battled Iowa for a big, big positioning in the Big Ten West. It ended up being Iowa and Ohio State. 
the people who have been at the top staying on top, at least for now. Now let's get into the rest of these games around the conference, starting with a matchup in the East, Michigan at Penn State that was slated to be really, really good a little while back. Penn State since now lost four games with the loss to Michigan over the weekend, but went in as a three-loss team, played it real close. Again, just like Minnesota-Iowa, anyone could have won this game. This was a grinded-out game throughout but it ended up being Michigan with the big points at the end. They score last and end up holding off Penn State at the finish. I, I want to hear what you have to say about just what you thought overall in this game because it, it was kind of a just classic Big Ten beat up matchup that Michigan ends up coming on top of, and they survive again, which is, I think, good for the conference. But either of these teams could have won this game. Both these teams are really good. I, I, I think Penn State's just – destined to be that team that out of the really good teams ended up losing all the games. I don't know. I'm not sure how much, how to take much away from this game. I mean, I look at it in the fourth mm -hmm. quarter, 14 to 14, the final score, 21, 17, Eric Allen had the amazing catch and run up the sideline for a score. Jim Harbaugh in the post-game press conference pulled in Eric Allen. He was excited for him, said, Hey, talk to this guy, talk to this guy. I believe Molly McGrath was the one like doing this during the postgame uh, interview. And she has to quickly go from the coach who they want her to talk to, to the player, Paul Ball turns it over to. 21-17 Penn State team who only has Sean Clifford, don't really have much outside of Sean Clifford. They can't run the ball. Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, okay, they, they are what they are. But Sean Clifford, I, I believe, is not 100%, which is why the offense is what the offense is. Michigan without Blake Corum, only scoring 21 points. It's just Big Ten football in November. Is it? Anything, I don't have much to take away because I expect Penn State to try to make games like this based off of how their offense is. If Michigan wants to win out and if they do anything special this year, I don't know if their offense is the offense to do so. That's kind of where I am right now with this team. Blake Corum without Blake Corum. Michigan's not scoring a lot of points. They're going, to, they're going to win these games because they have, they're have they a better team than Penn State. But Michigan wants to win. You mentioned something about P.J. Fleck and how him not beating certain teams. Hardball's kind of the same way. I wasn't planning on going this route when you mentioned this game, but Hardball's kind of the same way, not beating his rivals, not beating top 10 opponents. I mean, there's things that he has not done. One guy may be out of there because of that. P.J. Fleck might be there for a lifetime because of the brands that they are. Michigan, you're supposed to win this game by a wider margin, but Michigan still won. A win is a win. You got to be happy about that if you're a Wolverines fan. Yes, yeah, that, that's exactly where I'm at with it. It, it was a win for Michigan. It, it did what it needed to to grind out a game against a really good team. Again, not a team that's ranked right now, not a team that's going to be ranked after mm -hmm. losing again mm -hmm. in Penn State, but, that, but that's that much more the reason why yeah. Michigan needed to win it because if that shows up as a loss, obviously – national implications and things all that's over and everything becomes a mess with your whole season too anyway but it's a big win for michigan that it obviously needs if it wants to stay nationally relevant every win is a win that michigan still needs and now penn state still shows up as it's funny how it turns around it's a good win now if they had lost it would have been a loss to an unranked team but now Penn State's still going to be one of those teams that's considered pretty good. They're only losing to the good teams. So at the end of the day, it'll look pretty nice on Michigan's resume. But it's, again, I agree with you. Just a kind of grungy, grinded out game. We'll see more from Michigan and learn more about Michigan later on. 
Wisconsin still looked really good against Northwestern. It was Northwestern. But right. 35 points right. is just more from that offense that you want to see. Two touchdowns from Graham Mertz thrown. Three rushing touchdowns from Wisconsin after the rushing game had been like kind of out of nowhere. Braylon Allen has three scores on the ground for the Badgers. It seemed like Wisconsin had been lost for a lot of this season, Jay. They found it out of nowhere. And now they're the hottest team in that Big Ten West. They've got to be the favorites to win. It started out when we talked about Wisconsin controlling mm-hmm. its own destiny in that side of the conference as a joke. But, but now that three-loss team is 5-2 and two in the conference and with everyone else beating up on each other in a prime position to take this thing. Yeah, it's a blessing to Wisconsin that they bought that they bought. They got Northwestern when they played Northwestern. Was it earlier in the season where the team was more confident? Just like the Indiana Hoosiers, looks like both teams are just kind of. I mean, they are what they are. Kind of. I'm not going to say they're giving up on the season, but they're not playing. They're playing for pride, and some players they're hopefully trying to save their future as NFL draft stocks. So we all know how that may go. Wisconsin, however, I think this is a a, a bright spot. We all know Graham Mertz, the kind of quarterback that he is, that he is not going to be the quarterback that people thought he was going to be coming out of high school. But when you have a guy in Braylon Allen, he is going to kind of help and aid and make Graham Mertz the kind of quarterback that he is. When you rely on a running back, now granted the kid is 17 years old, very young man to have the body and the frame that he has and to move like he does on the football field. When you have Braylon Allen, you realize you can ride him and allow him to move the ball, allow him to be the the uh, momentum building type of player that he is. What do you have? Twenty five carries, one seventy three on the ground, three touchdowns, six point nine yards a carry. I mean, that's a good kind of a performance you want from a guy like this, and yeah, that's the kind of performance you want. You can build off of as Graham Mertz. The most amazing thing I've seen from Graham Mertz right now, well, in this game, eighteen for twenty three, not too many throws, efficient when he's throwing the ball. Those are things you can build off of for success down the remaining games of this year. Those are the things that we were asking of Graham Mertz for so much of his career of this season was just to be a little bit more efficient. And we've seen how good you are as a passer when that happens, but you're starting to see it now with Wisconsin doing a little bit more efficiently. Uh, Wisconsin still has to play Iowa and Minnesota, so we'll see who ends up uh, coming out out of all of that, Badgers will obviously be tested by the end of the season still. Jay, before we let you go, anything else around the conference? Rutgers beat up on Indiana bad. Uh, Michigan State beat Maryland with rather pretty pretty good ease, I, I would say. It was a little bit close for a while there. Maryland and Michigan State, you knew we were going to put up a decent amount of points. What do you think about just the other games? And I'm making sure that I'm not – yeah, we already covered everything else. Those are the only other two. Anything from the rest of the matchups in the Big Ten? Not really. Michigan State did what Michigan State is supposed to do after some um, loss, after a loss and really a dull performance. I think that Michigan State, that's the kind of performance you won before going up against the leaders in the Big Ten East, the Ohio State Buckeyes this weekend. You want that type of performance. Peyton Thorne looked better. Um, Kenneth Walker the Thor. The, Kenneth Walker III looks like the running back we have all seen play all season long. That's the kind of performance you want before you go into a game where many people think you're going to get blown out and you're trying to shock, 
the world. The Rutgers Indiana thing is really unfortunate for Indiana, where they have only have what three points in this game. Um, yeah, thirty to three loss. It's the quarterback. The quarterback situation. It's unfortunate. It seems it's just been going downhill for quite a long time. And you want to score more than three points. You never want to give up thirty eight points to. I mean, to Rutgers thirty eight. Great for Rutgers. Hoosiers. I, I expected better from you. Yeah, a lot of people did. Uh, it's a head scratcher in Bloomington, and it'll be interesting to see how that team reacts because I, I still think a lot of people believe in Tom Allen down in yeah. Bloomington the same way a lot of people still believe in P.J. Fleck and the culture that he's brought there. So it'll be, see how, it'll be interesting to see how that team uh, bounces back, especially after this year because, I, I mean, that Indiana team, part of the reason why it was getting praised is because all the players it was bringing back, a lot of those players are going to be gone after this season, whether it be graduation, going to the pros, whatever it is. So we'll see what happens on that end. Before we go, Jay, we got to look forward a little bit to the big game this weekend for your Buckeyes at home against Michigan State. A one-loss matchup between teams still in this for the college football playoff. A loser arguably won't be anymore. Where are you at with the Spartans? Ohio State still a huge, huge favorite, but Michigan State is that next team up having the head-to-head win over Michigan. With the way C.J. Stroud is playing and with all of his weapons being healthy the way that they are, and Ohio State and Ryan Day realizing a one-back system is not the way to score the most points, Michigan State better hope they can match Ohio State point for point, just like I mentioned for Purdue. Purdue's not a bad team. They just couldn't match Ohio State point for point. Michigan State better hope their defense is opportunistic and takes advantage and creates some turnovers because if not, it could be a long day for Sparty. I mean, that's really it. Michigan State's a good team. A lot of firepower on offense. But matching the Buckeyes point for point is very, very hard. Wait, l- let me put it this way. I, I like mm-hmm. Where are you at with – if you were to look at the score after the game and say Ohio State put up this many points, how, how low would that have to be for you to be like, oh, they only scored like that many? Because like for me, if I'm watching the games, if I see Ohio State like only puts up 35, that's for me like, oh, they only scored 35. Like what's that line at? I, yeah, I I'm thinking imagine. about – I'm thinking 35 too. I expect Ohio State, Ohio State, in this matchup to score 42. I mean, they could get off the bus and score about 42 points against almost anybody in college football. That's how good they are. If they score 35 or only 35, I would be kind of shocked, especially with the way that I think Ohio, uh, Michigan State's pass defense is versus Ohio State's pass offense. With the way that C.J. Stroud and the rhythm he was in just a day ago, I think if they all, if they only score 35, I, I would be shocked. But I don't expect them to. I don't expect them. You only score 35 points. I, I just, that, that's why I just think they're not going to get beat, Jay. I don't know. It's like, you're not going to beat, you're not going to beat them. No one in the big 10 is going to beat them. Ohio state's going to have to beat itself to an extent. Yeah. Similar to the Oregon game. Ohio state beat itself in that one. Hmm. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see what happens this weekend. Again, Ohio state, a huge, huge favorite over Michigan state, 19 points, I believe as it stands right now, but it's very, very early in the week. As a matter of fact, there's only one matchup in the Big Ten that does not have a double-digit point spread as things stand as we open, but that's something we can talk about more later on when we get in with Matt Sheehan. We have Jay here on Mondays to recap the weekend around the Big Ten, of course, every single week. And if you need to know more about what's going on with the Buckeyes, we talked about a lot on today's show. You can head on over to Locked On Buckeyes, where he is every single weekday, Monday through Friday, keeping you up to date on everything as he did here 
on the show today. Jay, before we let you go, remind everyone where else they can get a hold of you at. Guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at jstephen07. You can also follow Locked on Buckeyes on YouTube, on your favorite podcast listening app, the same place you're watching or listening to Locked on Big Ten at this moment. Just hit that search engine on the app or your TV or wherever you are and just search Locked on Buckeyes. You'll find the podcast I host five days a week covering the Ohio State Buckeyes. Also, the Jay Stevens podcast once a week, opinionated sports stuff. You'll have a good time there as well. That's Jay Stevens again with Locked On Buckeyes every weekday. Locked On Big Ten is the same way. We're back here tomorrow with Kevin McGuire. Got plenty to talk about with him on what will be a big, big night coming up in the college football playoff rankings, of course, as always. And, of course, anything else that happens from now until then. Until tomorrow's show, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Big Ten. One zero, not T-E-N. I'm at Nate with Sports. And wherever you're watching on YouTube or listening, be sure to follow, subscribe, whatever it is you do. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Until then, this has been Locked On Big Ten.